So when I first went to Asia to teach English, it was to Taiwan, and that was because of the encouragement of a friend I had made at uni called Summer. And Summer, who's from Taiwan, has been busy being a journalist there in the years since, and I caught up with her for a chat about the situation between Taiwan and China. For those not so familiar with the situation, let's have a quick round-up. China, or the People's Republic of China, PRC, thinks that Taiwan, or the Republic of China, the ROC, is one of their provinces. They claim it on the basis that uh, Taiwan was part of China during the latter stages of China's imperial days, during the Qing dynasty, when it was taken from the Dutch Empire. The Taiwanese, on the other hand, tend to say that yes, they were part of the Qing Empire, and then were taken by the Japanese Empire, and won their freedom at the end of World War II. After a few decades of martial law, Taiwan gradually became a pretty well-functioning democracy, which is very much not what China is. Those democratic freedoms are cherished in Taiwan, but the two economies are quite close, and there are many cultural ties with the PRC. The threat of war hangs over the island and its people. For most of the history of the Republic of China, or Taiwan, uh, it was governed by the Kuomintang, or KMT, we also call this party the Nationalists, and it was they who lost the Chinese Civil War, handing China over to Mao Zedong and his communists in 1949. Although the Nationalists never got over this defeat and claimed to be the true Chinese government, governing not just Taiwan, where they retreated to, but the whole mainland too. A landmass which is sometimes jokingly referred to online as West Taiwan. But no one has taken this claim seriously since the UN recognised the People's Republic of China, as China, in 1971. The current president of Taiwan, Tsai Ing-wen, is not from the KMT. She's from the Democratic Progressive Party, which favours true independence from China, in theory. But it's something which has never truly happened in a kind of legal sense. Instead, the countries are locked in a kind of stalemate, a status quo which the Taiwanese can generally accept, but that the Chinese cannot. For countries like America and the Europeans, for whom democracy is sometimes on shaky ground, keeping Taiwan from falling into the arms of Beijing is part of the great global power struggle, which marks our age. Oh yes, it's a big deal. Okay, on with the chat. And, you know, obviously, um, being in Taiwan, you're... You're, you're in this unusual situation, but Taiwan has very good, as far as I know, pretty good uh, standards with for journalism. Do you think that's true? Uh, do you ever, because if you were in China or if China took Taiwan, you know, that's the end of journalism for you. You don't, you don't get to, you don't get to write what you want anymore. Um, I mean, does it feel pretty free and stuff? Is, uh, do you ever have any pressure as a journalist in Taiwan? Uh, I mean, not pressure as in working pressure to finish jobs and stuff, but to, but, yeah, I mean, political pressure. In some media, I believe you will get some very direct direction from the editor mm. if they are held by Chinese um, tycoon, let's say that. But generally, I think... Uh, the let's say the editor desk, they are independent. Generally, you can just write what you want to write as a professional. Yeah. Do you mean there's Chinese tycoons? 
actually own some of the media in Taiwan? Uh, yeah, very obviously, I think. <laughs> really? It, it's, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What, like newspapers or, or what? Uh, yeah, because you know we are a free country, so if if you have money and uh, the previous owner is willing to you know, sell it to you, so you can buy it. Right. And do, do you think then they, what, they, they change the output to be more pro-PRC? Uh, yeah, but it's because it's too obvious, so... <laughs> So I, I thought you I think they they operate as like you know to show they exist. So because you you know although uh, I would say the general public like the most of us identify us as Taiwanese rather than the Chinese, but yeah. there are still some um, a certain percentage of people are quite poor men. Then this is how they call China. You know. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> Like they are men and we are the island. <laughs> right. Do you think those that group of people is growing or shrinking? Uh, I think they are just they are dying out. <laughs> are, they, are they the older generation? Well, yeah, you can imagine because they have a deeper emotional connection with men then. So uh no they, they I mean if you still have some relative, although they are very like a distant relative in mainland, you have this emotional connection very naturally. But I think even this part of uh, population, they realize we are under quite a different political system now. Mm. So they will, I mean, they will want, I think they read uh, this uh, pro-mainland media output because it's like, you know, they're so used to this narrative. Right. Yeah, I think it doesn't necessarily mean they will vote for PRC when they try to conquer us and they over <laughs> election. You know? Do you think that's the way it would happen? Would they set up uh, elections with the Communist Party as one of the parties? Uh, I think I think you can just watch uh, what happened in Hong in Kong. Hong Kong. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. They just observe their maybe lowest turnout, right? Like yeah. something. Yeah. So, well, I think they will try to uh, set up this democratic structure, sort of. Mm. I don't know. I think recently, I think because you know this uh, China and uh, the US <laughs> competition. Yeah. Going worse, so I think we need to take this more seriously. If there is going to be a war, then do you, um, you know, do does your government ask you or, or give you advice or ask you to prepare things or you know just in case? Uh, I don't think they will do it if they uh, unless. They want to uh, lose in the next election. <laughs> because, I mean, no one wants to be the one to be blamed for a war, right? Yeah, but do they ever say uh, war with um, the PRC is, is not so unlikely that you, you need, everybody needs to know what to do if it happens? Uh, not from the officials, but I think uh, there's always this kind of discourse to say 
because I think technically we are still at war with Chinese oh, government. Right, maybe. Yeah, and uh, you know, uh, like previous months, they you know they sent a lot of fighters to show us they are still very aggressive. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I think it really, it really depends on what generation you are in. Because I, I believe if you are like in the elder generation, you really did fight a war with the Chinese. So you know what it would be like. But as a, like a younger generation, we were born in this uh, sentiment, you know, like uh, uh, we are still at war at this mainland government and they want us to be part of them. Mm-hmm. And, and they, they think they have shown us some you know, friendly suggestions. Do you see their, understand their principle when they say, you know, Taiwan is China, you know? Um, do you, I mean, do you have any, if you, can you see things from their perspective? Does it make any sense? They're basing it on, you know, history or whatever. Well, if I'm going to say it more objectively, it's like when Taiwan was returned to Chinese government from Japan. And uh, I think a little bit like the Hong Kong situation, you know, uh, because we, I think the Taiwanese didn't really have a say in what, in how they identify like for such a long time. No, we, we, we didn't want to be uh, Japanese, but we were Japanese for a while. And uh, maybe we don't want to be Chinese. And uh, it's like, it's not something for us to say. Even for now, it's more like uh, what the Chinese government wants and uh, how the, the American government will react, right? Mm. So, Right, so you don't really, you know, when they say there's something natural about Taiwan being in China because, you know, you have the same common ancestry and s- same ethnic identity, same language and things like that. You don't think those are the important points? Um, I think maybe there was a time that both sides of the streets think there might be a way in the future that we can, you know, reunify peacefully. Because indeed, we are very, you know, historically intertwined with each other, no matter in culturally, in terms of culture or language, or for sometimes, like even politically, because we were both governed by dictators, right? But mm. I think that, that point of time has passed a very long time ago, maybe decades ago. Mm. So I think uh, for now, we are looking, or let's say we are hoping for some more democratic uh, way to sort this out, like, you know, the referendum. In your country, like, you know, United Kingdom offered referendum to ask if the Scottish want to go independence, right? Yeah. Even when you share a lot of culture and uh, language, so why don't we deserve this uh, opportunity to have a say? I mean, if there is a fair referendum and the more and the, the majority of Taiwanese want to be united by the Chinese government, I will take it. <laughs> and do you think that the Hong Kong sort of experience over the last five years has just made the Taiwanese be like, whoa, you know, we gotta we gotta be very careful about letting China 
um, take over? Well, I think most people in Taiwan uh, watch the situation in Hong Kong very closely because we know it's it's something the Chinese government want to show us. Mm. Uh, this is what you can get if you come back peacefully. Well, they say sometimes that one of the things you'll get is a better economy. Well, but you, you, you see the, the Chinese market is not that stable these days. <laughs> right, right, right. Especially right. with yeah, it's not all about it's not all about money for a lot of people anyway. Well, I've heard I've heard um, the, you know Taiwanese should be more thankful that so many Chinese tourists come to Taiwan and they give so much money to Taiwan through tourism. What do you think about that? Well, I think even if we are an independent country. They should still come if they want to come, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when I was in Taiwan, from the other perspective, I remember a lot of local Taiwanese being very aware of Chinese tourists. You know, they, uh-huh. they're like, oh, they're Chinese. You know, <laughs> there's some tar- Chinese tourists here. And there was, it was very obvious to them. You mean like in the, their accent or the, 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 the accent. way they their yeah, behavior, their um, the way they're in these big tourist groups, you know. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. I think because they at the beginning they are not allowed to travel independently, so they have to come. They had to come in groups. So that's right. how that's how we can identify them. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I also heard that when Taiwanese, uh, you went to uh, China at some point, didn't you? Yeah, I did. And is it right that you have to sign a statement of something about uh, relating to your citizenship or or Taiwan status or something like that? Uh, I think my my example might not be less uh, universal because uh, if you apply for this kind of travel identification in Taiwan, there will be only like one or two ways you will get a very formal ID card, this kind of thing. But because I traveled to uh, China from the UK, so I went to the Chinese embassy to apply for this uh, passport-like... Visa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It it looked like a passport, but it's not. Okay. you have, I, I did have to sign um, a document. Actually, it's, it was a blank paper. And I, have, I had to write down it by myself. So it's like really uh, humanating if you right. say, like, let's say something like the data or the narrative in my passport is wrong. And I'm not a citizen from an independent country called Taiwan, something like that. So you have to write this word down and sign your name. Yeah. yeah. And that that wouldn't have needed to have been the case if you come from Taiwan. It was just because of the specific circumstances of your application. Uh, I think maybe they change it frequently. Depends on their... Yeah, right, right. <laughs> it's quite, um, yeah, humiliating. <laughs> Yeah, it, it did. I think I think I shed one or two tears when I work out that work out yeah. that embassy because I, I I went to there because I have some work to do, 
So yeah. it's like I have to fulfill my promise with my clients. I can't say, oh, I don't want to go into China because I'm <laughs> more independent, something like that. So, <laughs> and when you got to China, which city did you go to and how did you feel about China? I went, I went to Chengdu. Oh. Yeah. Did you went? Did you go to Chengdu? No, never got out that far. Yeah, that's a very big city, and I I remember it was very very hot and mm. crowded with uh, a lot of tourists. I don't. I think they like it. It could be very crowded even with local tourists. <laughs> yeah, and uh, the food was great. You know, because Chengdu is very hot, famous. Hot. For, yeah, for that good good thing. Did, but did it feel, you know, did you feel a kind of warmth of being back in your ancestral home or anything like that? Um, because I was not born there, so. So uh, you, know, you were born in in Taipei, right? Yeah, I, I was born in Taipei. And, and your in, your parents, where 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 were they born? Uh, my father was born in Taiwan as well, and my mother was born in uh, Jinmen. You know. <laughs> Oh, Jim, the part, island. Yeah, yeah, that that part of um, ROC, yeah. but it's actually connected with mainland. Right, yeah, yeah right next to the mainland. It's a very weird yeah. part of the <laughs> geographical situation. Hi, a little interjection here. Jingmen is part of Taiwan, but is another island which is actually just a few kilometers off the coast of the People's Republic. The people in the Chinese city of Xiamen can literally look across the water and see the pro-ROC propaganda that's been pointing at them for years. This little absurdity isn't the only Taiwanese island which lies right off the mainland. The Matsu Islands are a little bit to the north. Both were the sites of battles between the communists and the nationalists in the years since the Civil War, and now have decaying anti-landing barricades and landmines alongside modern guns dotted across the islands. OK, and return. Was very curious about like uh, how they live in in China, you know, under this government with this, you know, um, comparatively isolated uh, internet. They, they they use their own kind of you know searching engine, and because it, it, this is what you encounter when you first land in the Chinese soil, right? You have to. Uh, look up where you are, and but you can't access uh, to Google Map, so you have to use like Baidu Map or something like that. You know better than me, so it, it's like how they like how how do they feel about it? Like they are so unique, if if you if you can say in this way. I I, I was I just tried to imagine like if I was born in China, then what kind of person would IV, right? You know. Right. Yeah. So I, I was like looking at a life I could live, but I didn't get because mm. I was born in Taiwan. Yes. Yeah, so, uh, it's very, it's like a bizarre, but I think you mentioned some words like warming, like you know, in feel like spiritual. Oh. Yeah, oh, like the warmth of of being in your spiritual home or something like that some people get that feeling when they you know for me it's not something like i live in the place where i where my family history is already you know but um if i had a kind of i don't know russian roots or something then maybe if when i go to russia even if i'd never been there before 
I might feel something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. In one in one way, you are right because if you talk about bloodline, uh, yes, you you can say we are immigrants. My grand my my grandparents were immigrants, so yeah. In, in this way, it feel like going to where they live about 550 years ago. But at the same time, because now, like, you know, even in today, uh, they still sending very hostile signal. It's a very mixed um, emotion because, you know, this life seems to be very far away from you. But actually, it's not that far if they conquer us tomorrow, like, you know, we we might just become part of them like, in yeah. a very short time. So. And do you know um, there's going to be the Beijing Winter Olympics sort of next year? Um, yeah. uh, one of the things that people are doing around the world is a diplomatic boycott. Um, so they're going to send their sports people, but they're not going to send any officials and stuff. I think... Um, Democracies are feeling quite pressurized by China's system because it's quite successful in some ways, isn't it? And one of the, so they, they, you know, they talk about sanctions, they talk about trade tariffs and things like this, all different ways to try and try to pressurize Beijing to, you know, have a bit more humanitarian freedoms and, 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 and obviously not invade Taiwan, not commit so many crimes against the Uyghurs, things like that. And do any of these things help, do you think, from a Taiwanese perspective? I think confrontation is not, it's not a good thing, generally speaking, because from my personal point of view, I think it's more like a, the collide of two political systems, right? Mm. Yeah, because I think from the Chinese point of view, they think... Um, the American system are quite paralyzed because you know you have this partition uh, attention and you can't reach consensus that easily. And if you change the, the government, you know, like if if Trump is coming back in 2024, and apparently the foreign policy will change a lot. Yeah. For the, the US and the EU will have to. Uh, prepare for that, right? Because they are kind of stuck in the middle. So I think the, the, the Chinese, they are gradually being more and more confident about their own system, right? Because I think they published something like uh, uh, Democracy White Paper to show that we have our, you know, they, they like to say it's like a Chinese way of democracy and we work better. <laughs> we yes. are more efficient. I think it's more like these two kind of political system. They are going to fight with each other and to, to uh, they have to prove themselves as a better system for the let's say the world order. Yeah, so they are trying to gain more allies, but also they have to win this ideological war. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so I think in. in uh, in terms of political system, we, we are pro-democracy, that's for sure. But I think what we are worried about is we are going to uh, be in a very awkward situation. 
right? Because we want to have our uh, own government, but since Chinese government insists we are part of China, they don't want us to be too successful mm. in terms of political political outcome, right? Right. <laughs> uh, we just have a referendum a few days ago. Oh yeah. So what it's, for? Uh, actually, they have it's not one or two or three, four issues, and the, each one of them is a very complicated. Something like if you want the government to change their decision uh, in the a trade deal with America, so like some to take some terms, you know, like some specific term. If you want to change it, and if you want to reopen uh, a nuclear plant to make it operate again in the near future, something like that. It's gonna be, right. You know, it, it's actually a very um, complicated. It's good. We we don't get referendums in the UK about those kind of issues, trade deals and and energy uh, security. We, we well, don't get any uh, of that. I think we are not a mature enough population to decide on this kind of. Well, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Hopefully, you have a a bit of a campaign and some information comes out so people can make their decisions. You don't want people to just be like, uh, you know, or oh, trade good. Let's go yes, you know, or nuclear yeah, yeah. bad let's go no you know it's good to come at it with a bit of like you say they're complicated issues but hopefully you have a population which can mm. do the research yeah i think it's a very good practice if it works properly right because yeah. I, for one thing if you if you ask uh the whole society to decide on four questions and with this such scale you know it's most people will just let it go. So mm. we have got we have a very, very low turnout, like 40%. It's very low in Taiwan because... 40? That's quite high. 40? 40, yeah. That's quite high. I think that's quite high. I know. I know. If it's in the UK, it's quite high. But in Taiwan, it's very low because we've got like a 70 for the last election. Mm. So okay. it, it, it was comparative low. So I think if you ask us to vote for one thing, then maybe some then then maybe most people will feel like, oh uh, we I I can you know devote some time to really start study this issue and make my decision. Right. You got like four questions and they are so you know know they have such a long historical complexion like we want to move to green energy but we can't do it like like for the next 10 10 years so we push back a little bit our ambition but we are going forward now again (laughs) but it 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 tells you just how much uh just how different things are in taiwan doesn't it to to china it's a really kind of glaring example of like what you'd lose if the unification actually happened one day. Oh, uh, yes, yes. I mean, you really have to take uh, the size of population as a factor, right? Because we are small, we only have got 22 million people, so we can operate as a very small but maybe workable democracy. But if you've got like, the size with China, I, I, I can see how it could right. be very difficult for them to implement the, at least in the Western style, 
because yes, you know, Western yes. style democracy. So I so I I can understand why they think maybe this kind of democracy won't work in their country. So but I but I don't think it's an excuse for them to not oppress all the minority or no, yeah. I think they've got a long way to go, but <laughs> all right. Well look, we've been talking for uh, half an hour, whatever. So um I reckon we can wrap it up. Mm-hmm. Thanks for thanks for your time, and I know you're very busy with your new job. <laughs> Thank you, uh, Bill. What happened during the last year? I mean, during the pandemic, why can't uh, people around the world understand that we are st- we are actually just living no on the same planet because we are all we 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 now have some shared experience, right? Right. So we should, we can understand now we are actually so interconnected with each other and we can and we should help each other. But at the same time, knowledge country are still fighting for the vaccine and, <laughs> Yeah, and people within different communities within individual countries are just fighting each other about how to go forward with you know restrictions and yeah. wearing masks do you have much many anti-vaxxers in taiwan people who think it's a a big um it's either fake or it's dangerous or it's to control us somehow yeah yeah i think they are everywhere right <laughs> <laughs> yeah some things uh, are truly international there is no yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anti-vax is one of those things <laughs>